0: Good morning, good afternoon, and good night, wherever you're tuning in. We are Slava and Jonathan, bringing you the SideQuest podcast, where we talk about character development, stories, and all things that are world-building. And we occasionally take side quests, because, frankly, that's how conversations work. Just as a reminder, this whole show is spoiler-heavy. So sit back, tune in, and join us on this episode of SideQuest. Saucy Slava Saturday. All the Saturdays are saucy when Slava's around. On the side quest. Well, we're back. Episode something, part two. 17? I think it's 17.
1: I think it's 17. Let's go with 17. If it's not 17, they'll they'll correct us in the comments. And yes, you can leave comments on Spotify.
0: 17. No, it's 17. I just wrote the title a minute ago on the file. So, definitely 17. But sometimes life is a goldfish. And I'm a butter butt. All right.
1: Don't touch the boat?
0: Don't touch the butt? Oh, alright, so here's a quick side quest. I don't know what just made me think of this. The boat. The boat did. So, there's this game called Chameleon where it's like a board game, tabletop game, and you look at the card that you're given, and it's got a, a matrix on it, and somebody rolls dice, and it you, you look on the left column, then you look at the top column, you find the whatever, and then in the center of the table there's another matrix that lines up with it based on the roll and somebody rolled the dice and I glanced at it because I was I think working on my phone at the same time and it was Jaws and so you go around and you try to assert that you're not the chameleon because the chameleon doesn't have a matrix on their card I wasn't the chameleon but uh, and then people vote to kill the person or like whatever I forget the rest of it but they they vote to identify the chameleon and I looked at it, it as jaws and then they're like, you can say one phrase to identify that you're not the chameleon. Uh, and I said, we're going to need a bigger boat. And they're like, they, they all look at me like really confused. And I go, if you've seen the movie, you know, the quote just with the with dripping oozing with confidence. Cause I, I like it's jaws. If we're going to need a bigger boat, like it's a key line in the movie. Right. And uh, the game continues, and it turns out it actually wasn't Jaws, because uh, I looked at the dice wrong. It was Toy Story. And so they're all like, what the hell are you talking about? You're going to need a bigger boat. What boat? Well, It's Toy Story. What are you talking about?
1: Well, I, let, let me ruin this a little further. It's not we're going to need a bigger boat. It's you're going to need a bigger boat, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I, yeah, I I
0: miss. I didn't say it right here, but I did say it correctly when I, um, when I was when I was touting off that yeah, I was yeah. correct, uh, right. based on not looking at the dice correctly or the matrix, but they were they were they, the utter confusion that I saw in these people's faces. They were like, what? And they like look at the card, and they look at the dice, and they look at me, and they go. I mean, he's real confident right now. What movie did he watch? <laughs> what? Where in Toy Stories to talk about a boat? And they're just like looking at me and and like, you know, hitting that Rolodex when you look through your your own mind, and you're like, yeah, yeah. What is he talking about? And they ended up saying, "Well, clearly you're the chameleon because you don't know about this movie." And I went. Well, you guys can vote me off the island or kill me or whatever. You're wrong. I'm telling you that right now, and the chameleon's going to win. But you do what you need to do. We're going to need a bigger boat. You're going to need a bigger boat. Somebody needs a bigger boat.
1: We all... Yes. That is a... Yeah. Redrick needs a bigger boat. Redrick does need a bigger boat. Maybe he can wish for a bigger boat (laughs) when he finds the orb.
0: Mm-hmm. If only life were that simple. Yeah. All
1: right. Do you want to get into it? Let's do it. All right. Well, since you made me do this for 15 freaking episodes, I'm going to have you do this. Jonathan, you want to give us a rundown of chapters three and four?
0: Yes. So, when a man loves a woman, sometimes they have a monkey. That's that's the start of this, or the end of this, probably more of the former so Roderick Roderick wow it's a it's a day in the life of me right now
1: you know what I just had popped into my head when you said a man loves a woman the song Kenny Loggins danger zone
0: Mm. (laughs) well yeah depending on who you're dating definitely danger zone
1: Uh, also the zone in the book yes yeah Yeah. true
0: so Roderick and his old friend uh, his old friend comes back to his house and chit-chats with um, Guta. And then we see that... And this is chapter 3, or section 3. We see that his daughter is becoming less human and not responding the nor- normal ways that human children do. Which is a, makes the mother sad. Redrick has... And I missed this. We talked about this a little bit before the show. Redrick's father comes back from the dead or something like that. Reanimated dead. Now, yeah,
1: because of the zone. Yeah,
0: yep. and and you can dive into this more in a little bit, but I thought he was having flashbacks to his father because I was like, oh, clearly his father's dead, so it's a flashback, and I just kind of accepted that as fact because of translation yeah. issues, or like, not issues, but like translations between Russian and English because I didn't know how to make sense of it otherwise. Right, makes sense. But I found out later that I was wrong in my assumptions also, section three is where we get the idea of the visitation as a roadside picnic. And Dr. Valentine gives this idea that, like, no, aliens didn't come here because they think we're special. They came here and they left their trash, which is a very different way to look at sci-fi. And I'm sure we'll dive into that. So I, 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 won't, uh, I won't sort that out at the moment. And then section four, Redrick goes into the zone because he was given a map by Burbridge, and then he takes Burbridge's son, and he knows he's going to sacrifice him. But in the middle of the journey, he, like, protects him, uh, which I think is interesting because,
1: I mean, maybe he just didn't want to carry
0: the body, but... Well, he needed him to... Yeah, in the meat grinder. Uh,
1: for the meat grinder, yeah, so he had to protect him now so he can put him in the meat grinder. Yeah,
0: but... But that's just that's just my point. Is like he could have just brought a body. I don't. I didn't see any details where it had to be a living person.
1: Yeah, I don't know. That's a that interesting point. Interesting. So, question. I mean, I it's it's
0: certainly laborious and difficult to carry a body into the zone based on what we know about the zone. So you know, certainly would rather have this person alive. But I thought, why doesn't he just carry the anyway? So he he protects Arthur and then he's thinking about what he's going to wish for Arthur being the stupid ignorant child that he is ran forward into the meat grinder which and I will need to look up images of this because I had trouble picturing this outside of like because it's called a meat grinder but I'm sure it doesn't look like a meat grinder
1: now that's a it's a euphemism because it tears the body into pieces like if if you did the description of Arthur how he got twisted Mm -hmm. like a like a dish rag and then popped so I, I think it's just a Yeah, I figured it was
0: just, it was, again, I just assumed it was a translation issue. Translation, yeah. Anyway, that's just kind of anything that I didn't understand.
1: I just was like, it probably sounds better in Russian. You're probably 95% right, just because that's what happens with translations.
0: Right, right, which is not a bad thing. It's just like the nature of language between, you know, English and French or English and Chinese. Like, well, we don't say, look, a dog. We say, dog, look. Or, you know, whatever. I don't know. I don't actually know.
1: Yep. Well, now, I I think I know, and I'll jump in here just real quick, because I think you're done, unless you're not, so I'm sorry, but I'm jumping in here. Redrick's dead father, why I think he thought it was a flashback, because there was a memory described when the authorities came for his father, and how he saved him from the authorities uh, taking him to be destroyed.
0: Yeah, yeah. So there, okay. So that's probably why. so at that point, yeah,
1: yeah, that, that was the flashback, and then Noonan is watching the father sitting in an armchair making noises. What I think also might be confusing, the POV changes Sometime It doesn't really change, but the POV goes inside Redrick's head, and he starts talking in the first person, but it's all his thoughts. So we get an omnipresent POV, mm. yeah. but then it narrows down. Everything gets italicized, and this is just Redrick thinking or talking, and then we back out again, and it's an omnipresent kind of that's omnipresent yeah yeah third POV third person
0: omnipresent third person limited or first person and 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 I think that that's probably what played a factor here as well it's a fun storytelling technique and not many people do it well and even though I didn't understand everything I the 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 nature of the story was still there right yeah so anyway that long lengthy me attempting to
1: explain roadside picnic there you go read the book No, very good, yeah. And read the book. It's a good book. It's actually like a novella, I would say, but That's fair. I mean, it only has four
0: sections. It's not very long.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about the first thing since, well, that's the third thing on my list, but let's talk about it first because we're here. I know you discussed this with me a little bit and how you were, I guess, kind of turned off by this style. Is We don't get a lot of backstory about anything. There's a lot of ambiguity about the characters. We get little vignettes. We get their internal thoughts, but we get very little as to character building. So you Correct. don't see an arc. Like we just finished recording The Way of Kings, like Shallan and Kaladin, who were the main POVs in it. We see an arc, we see our growth. The Shallan that comes to the city where Yasna is trembling and timid is a different Shallan That saying, like, Nope, I'm going with you to the Shattered Plains. The Kaladin then that's angry and morose in a slave wagon
0: yeah, is different with, than the Kaladin off. who's about... Right. Yeah, then...
1: Then Bridge 4 Kaladin or Kaladin Stormblast. Right, yeah, different person. Or Cal, Kaladin the captain, right? So here you just get vignettes of Red, who's always Red, and he was Red when he was 31 or 29 when we first meet him, and he's Red when he's 31 after his uh, prison sentence. Noonan is Noonan, and the only, the only arc that I see is finally in the end where redrick decides after sacrificing arthur that he's not even going to wish for his daughter to be better again he just wishes for the same thing that arthur wanted to wish for which is happiness for everybody right and then he adds a line and may nobody will be left behind whatever that means whatever that means. so my question is is that like, the best wish to ask no 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 my, but that, but that's, hey, a, good that's a good question question yeah. that's a very good question but my 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 primary question for this is why'd you hate it uh, you know because explain that because i think that's a good a good tangent so tell the audience how what you thought about the ambiguity of the book because the authors wanted you to a lot to be left to author interpretation at least those who did analysis on this book that i read that's their position it's ambiguous so you can figure it out for yourself but sure tell me more.
0: sure sure well, so you keep using the word hate and I'll tell you I've only hated two things in life and they were well, people.
1: They were people. Um and it was well, I retract that. Okay. That you didn't like it that much. You thought it was a little, Yeah, because I, I
0: I think hate is a too strong of a word cuz if I hated it I would have been like I'm not finishing this book.
1: Okay. Oh, fair enough.
0: Oh, actually I have hated other things. Can we I'm just going to we're going to go down this road real quick. So there's Just a book it. called the Wish the Wandering Inn. it's okay. it's like a progressive fantasy. Sorry, progression fantasy, not progressive. Oh, well, maybe it is. I don't know. I didn't finish the book. I got like I got twelve, and, and I have to like watch myself because I would love to use expletives right now to describe how much how vit, how much vitriol I have toward this book. I would burn every copy if you gave me the opportunity. Now that said, I did run into someone, my younger brother's friend, who's uh, his DM for for Dungeons and Dragons. He was like, the first book's garbage. The author's rewriting it, but if you could get past the first book, every other book is primo. And I was like, well, I couldn't because it was too much whining. It's as much as, like, I hated Divergent. I read it because I was like, oh, it's like Hunger Games, like, okay. And then the first book, and I'm like, good God, like, this is so f- f- terrible. The character's just like, I don't know what to do. It's basically, Shalon starts to do this in The Way of Kings, and it's okay, but... It's not okay if it's your whole book. Char- like, Shalon develops, which is nice. Right. But this character was like, I don't know what to do. Maybe I should do this. I don't, I don't know if I want to commit to that because I'm not sure what to do. And I was just like, you could kill yourself. <laughs> it's It's <the laughs> an option. It's the same way that I felt about Crime and Punishment. And I was like, cool. Just kind of checked out about you as a character because... Yeah. I don't understand the back and forth. Like, make a decision, commit to it, and be a friggin' human who who understands their consequences to actions. You're never going to get everything right, and move forward and
1: deal with the consequences. I think, right. I think in Dostoevsky's defense, he wrote that character like that. It's purposefully. A, it's on purpose. No, no, no. Yeah, and and yeah. and I re- and then your yeah. your your point's still valid because even though again Shalon, even though I like Shalon as a character. There were times where I was like, oh, my goodness, girl, just do something. Do something. Do yeah. something. So this, so this character who whines for the whole book, yeah, I wouldn't be able
0: to, I to I do got, I think I got – I think I – Slava. So you know I audiobook most stuff, right? So mm-hmm. I threw it on three times speed because I was like, look, I'll just – I'll pick up the, the, the fine points <laughs> and – or not the fine points I'll, b- I'll pick up the broad points and um, yeah. you know maybe it'll get better like 30 chapters in I think I got I think I was four hours in and I was like I can't do this I can't I literally just can't do this I just can't I can't and I couldn't return it because I I like bought it a, on a deal or something like that or I bought it ages yeah, yeah. ago and it was just sitting there and I was like well I own this book that I'm just not gonna read because it's garbage it's just absolute trash I don't mind people having distress in their decisions but that shouldn't last. 40% of the book or whatever. I don't I don't even know how long the book is, but it, like you need to give me something else. You you have to give me something else. So so I I reserve the word hate for things like that. Okay. Side quest over. All right, back to your question. So so why did I dislike? It's not a dislike though. It's 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 a it's a wanting for more. It's a Oh man, I'm trying to remember because this is like five days ago that I sent you this thing. I don't dislike it. I like the vignettes, but it should be longer, which is like a good feeling to have. It should be more vignettes. Yep. It should be a, a, a fuller story uh, or like a compilation. I think I made the, the comparison to Paris Jutem, Berlin, I love you, New York, I love you, et cetera, et cetera where they the premise is... You have to make a short film in this city about love. Those are the parameters. Do whatever you want. And so, like, Paris time was this big piece. And there's one where Elijah Wood, who played Frodo in The Lord of the Rings, is a vampire falling in love. And then there's another one of, like, a normal New York couple that's falling in love. And it's just like, but they're all set in different time periods and different wherever. Like, the parameter is it's New York and you deal with love do with that what you will and they compiled i don't know 17 to 20 short films and it's like tied together as a feature but the feature is is a themed feature it's topical so the topic is new york and i love you and it's like that's cool or sorry paris and i love you but that was cool and this just feels and like you said it's a novella or smaller it's like between a short story and a novella right like it's longer than a short yeah. story but i don't feel like it's a real novella which is okay but it just leaves me wanting more and and I just have a lot of questions about the world because I really enjoy world building. I mean, part of our podcast is, you know, exploring the the world of stories and that's kind of a double entendre because it's both the world and the stories for those who are listening to our podcast. So, I don't dislike the book at all. I frankly, it's a, it's a I like when authors do something different. That's good. I I enjoy that. I'm I'm pro trying something different. Not everything that's different works. I think that this worked out pretty well because it was so different. It's like, oh, yeah, what would it be like if aliens didn't, like, they weren't adversarial. They just came over here and like, oh, yeah, pit stop, roadside picnic. And the thing is, like, I don't even think that that describes it correctly as much as it's just a way for us to understand because if you're talking about an extra extra planner being, it's like when you talk about God, right? You're like, well, God is this. And it's like, yes, but... Like, that's looking at a big boulder or a big truth that is a boulder, and you're looking at one side of it. And then when you start to rotate, you go, Oh, this side looks a little different. It doesn't negate the first piece of truth, it just is giving you a further expansion because extraplanar beings and divine beings have far more complexity than humans under our presumptions. But that's okay. Because we we still need language to describe it, and there's actually a phrase that I really like. I think it's from, oh, it's not Oscar Wilde. It's like this German guy. The limit of my language is the limit of my world. You know this phrase?
1: No, I don't think so. Ludwig
0: Wittgenstein from Tractatus Logico Philosophicus.
1: So a tractate, a tractate on philosophy by Ludwig-, uh, his face. Yeah,
0: Ludwig Wittgenstein. The limit of my language is the limit of my world. And I'll stop talking here in a minute, but I felt this pretty viscerally in 2018 when I had a breakup. I was feeling shame and I was feeling a lot of different things and I didn't know how to deal with it because I didn't have language for I'm like, I don't know what I'm feeling. And so while well, this phrase might mean something more than this, and, and and I haven't done study on it, but I believe it probably does, is If you don't have language to describe something, it's very difficult to suss out how to engage with it because it's, it's unknown. It's chaos and chaos needs to be ordered. And the way that you order chaos is by first identifying it. Right. So Brene Brown was a big help in that where she helped identify shame and vulnerability. And then I read like this book on masculinity as well. And it was a whole thing. But I didn't have language for 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 what was going on so i felt a little lost at sea and i i think and this is a this is going to be a real broad stroke statement but i believe that a lot of people make decisions in the heat of emotions and uns- and because they're drowning in the uncertainty of the chaos that they're feeling because they don't have language for it and because they don't have language they don't have hope because if you can't identify what you're in you certainly can't identify that there's something on the horizon that's better than where you're at
1: yeah absolutely Absolutely. And I think growing up in the, and I shared a little bit in this podcast about my childhood, which was chaotic. So I was constantly in survival mode and it wasn't until around 2018, which puts me at around 37, where I was talking to a therapist and he pulled out from the stories I would tell him, he pulled out these, you know, these little, um, call them vignettes, call them little nuggets. I I don't know how either one works. Memories or something yeah memories or something and then he would zero in on a particular slice of that memory and say how did this make you feel or explain this how would how do you look in the back now explain this action by your you know by your mother or explain this action by your stepbrother half-brother explain that to me how you know and I would and he would you know kind of reel this thing out of me and then I'll be like oh that's what i was feeling yeah i was feeling rage i was feeling fear yep whatever it was so you're absolutely right i'll, I'll end it there because i don't want to well this take is it off the rail.
0: no i think that this is a good i you know it's not exactly on topic but it, the, the whole the whole podcast is called sidequest so with <laughs> this lets us justify how conversation works the this is why i'm such a big proponent of journaling and people are like well i just don't journal and i'm like okay cool well you literally journaling is learning how to think about how you engage with yourself like that's what journaling is and how you process the world around you and the things that are happening around you to you and in you like that's what journaling does and so yeah you don't have to do it but you also don't have to be a healthy person you don't have to keep a budget you don't have to like work out you don't have to do anything because you get to be a free agent but i i tell people and i've been touting this lately too it's like people don't want to be healthy why because being healthy is boring being healthy means you have to keep a budget. Being healthy means you have to go to the gym. Being healthy means you go to a bed at the right time. Being healthy means you don't get to eat all the things you want to. Being healthy means that you don't get to you tell yourself no a lot more than you tell yourself yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I've been on an alcohol fast for the past since January. And I've I've started have you know, having a, a drink here and there again. But A bottle a night? Nice. A bottle a night, at least. No, not at all. <laughs> so, for the longest time, I would have a drink a day. And it would probably be two, actually, because I would have a, bo- a, a bottle of wine. <laughs> I would have a See? glass of wine. No, Slav, it's okay. This a is a cl- safe
0: place. You can tell us.
1: Yeah. I would have a glass or two of wine, probably one as I'm cooking the dinner and one with dinner. And then, absolutely. <laughs> I heard a bottle absolutely. again.
0: Anyway. Did I say a bottle? No, I you would did. Not have you two did. Bottles. You did. You did. You said a glass, but my mind heard bottle, and I was like, Oh, yeah. have a bottle while it's I'm cooking." It's a really big <laughs> glass.
1: <laughs> Scars, so, going. a glass while cooking, a glass with the dinner that I cooked, and for sure, if I'm if I'm not doing anything like recording with you, which we started only recently, but if I'm not recording or if I'm not doing anything extra for work or walking the dog or running around, currently in a study for something. Yeah, I would definitely
0: have a nightcap. I know like because he texts of- me, you I've just said this before. He sends me I'm literally looking at a photo of what he ate for dinner last night. It looks great. Yeah. So,
1: he'll do the same thing with with the the drinks and the cigars. Well, if I try something new, I don't like text you every night a picture of my glass, but if I'm trying a new bourbon, <laughs> I'll text you a picture of the of the bottle. I don't know. Maybe I'll sound pull like the- an alcoholic. Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean functioning. Would- a functioning no. If you're having a drink at so- night, you know yeah but well listen the 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 alcoholism is not just having a drink a night the, there's a much more behind that that's how it starts and though and it very well could be but for but i decided and it wasn't like a new year's resolution crap it was actually like in november i'm like we're going to cut this out like this is i need to do an exercise in discipline yep. and so discipline. we just uh, both my wife and i just stopped having any drinks for like 60 days any drinks during the weekday Nothing. And only a glass or two with dinner on, like, Saturday night. Nice. And then that worked to her well, and if we're going to have hard liquor, it could be Tuesday or it could be Sunday, but we're only having hard liquor if we're going out. If we go out on a date, I will have my little nightcap after dinner. I'll have a beer, a glass of wine with dinner, nothing more, and then a shot of bourbon for after dinner, and that's it. And we did that for 30 days. And so now April, April 1st was supposed to be our break fast day where we bought a bottle of liquor, mm-hmm. like a hard liquor and brought it home and I would have my normal nightcap and we now keep that to only two or three times a week. It wouldn't be like, oh, well, it's Monday, so I'm going to have a nightcap. It's Tuesday, so I'm going to have a nightcap. Yeah. No. And so we actually, we actually were broke the fast, I would say like four days early. We were having a date night and we're like, hey, let's whatever. Are we going to really wait until April 1st, which is in three days? Let's just buy the bottle now and go enjoy our our, our breakfast, if you will, from alcohol. Mm-hmm. But all that to say, that's really not the point of the story. All that to say, and by God's grace, it didn't take a lot of effort to say no. But you have to because your body and your mind gets used to eating cake, drinking whiskey, you know, on Wednesdays, whatever it is. Not going for a run, sitting on your ass and playing video games for four hours when you could be exercising even if it's easy for you to break that habit and by easy i mean you're not having withdrawals or you're not losing your mind or having a breakdown you still have to continue to say no it's not just it disappears yeah cuz you have to build a new habit yeah so you have to get con- to replace so, it with
0: something healthy right or you'll so go again, back to by it. God- people do this all the time exactly keep, sorry keep going
1: yeah no 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 you're fine uh, it's overlapping cooperative conversation so by again by god's grace that first week with no, no nightcaps, I I felt fine. But I also knew the goal, right? It wasn't just for grins that I stopped it. I'm like, I want to do an exercise in discipline. And it's probably better for me not to drink hard alcohol <laughs> every day of the week. Like listen, well, it was that, what, a, a, what shock. a what
0: a what a what a shocking thought.
1: Yeah, and it was literally a shot. It wasn't like I was pounding away half a bottle and, you know I don't know, I'll send, I'll put the photos in the fun. comments falling down the I had stairs two,
0: two bottles tonight it's great yeah. it's a tuesday wednesday thursday
1: yeah it's one of those days i can't tell <laughs> which day it is it was a shot shot and a half with ice in it and so it wasn't gonna get me plastered but or even tipsy but i like the taste i like the ritual no the
0: taste is great. i mean i half of why I but i needed to do this exercise yeah it's the same thing yeah. i like
1: i like the taste
0: like i yeah. alcohol doesn't affect me because i have a birth defect the way that it does other people i don't absorb liquids properly and uh i've talked about this a little bit but i can drink most people under the table because i just don't it doesn't hit my system correctly so i the recovery is a lot harder too because i don't have the ability Yeah, it to still f- hits
1: your liver though <laughs> it does
0: it does and it does eventually get me like but it requires way too much cost too much money and so like i'm i want to have like what i'll pay i'll pay thirty dollars for a drink because then i'm gonna have one like i want it to be really good because i enjoy the taste it's fine
1: yep and so for me, whether it's smoking cigars or having bourbon, trying different bourbons, trying different scotches, it's a ritual for me, and I like the taste. And by ritual, I mean I've had my dinner, I've had my no, long yeah, day yeah. or my short day. I want to relax. I want to watch a movie. I want to play a video game. Yep. I want to read a book. I want to listen to Calden you know,
0: Stormbless go through his thing, mm.
1: and I want to have my, four. you know, have my Yellowstone bourbon. Shout out to them. Uh, they, it's a, un, I think it's a fairly, can I don't want to say unknown. Yeah. Yeah. It's don't one that I want to buy for you. There we go. I do. This <laughs> is one I want to buy you. We but covered this in a previous you,
0: episode and I still don't have that bottle, everyone. I just want you to know that. Hey. You can come help me drink, can, dig a French drain instead.
1: <laughs> if anybody can figure out how I can ship a bottle of liquor to Michigan without being arrested by the FBI. Because you get you have the most draconian liquor laws I've ever heard in my life <laughs> I can literally not ship n- no di- no distributor that I found large or small even on the border of Michigan can ship to Michigan like and I've searched for about you know I would say under 20 but v- over 15 different distributors big and small nationwide and localized to the Midwest, specifically Illinois and Indiana Nobody ships to me. You got to do it like they did in the 20s, buddy. Yeah. So, Send anyway, me a large shout out to Yellowstone
0: with clothes <laughs> in it. Yeah. And I'll sell the dresser and give you the money back on the dresser.
1: Sounds fair. <laughs> but yeah, so a shout out to Yellowstone. They they have a really good um Tennessee whiskey. It's a new one I've discovered and I was going to say they're not that well known or maybe they are and I'm just new to it. Uh, they've been around since, according to the bottle, I think it's been around since the 1800s, so before Prohibition. But they have a decent whiskey, if anybody wants to try whiskey, Yellowstone. Nice. And I, the bottle we bought for our breakfast is their malt whiskey that's 108 proof. Interesting. And just one little malt ice cube in huh? there. Yeah, one little ice cube in that, and all you need is a good mellow cigar. Hmm. And the, the picture would be complete. But anyway, yeah, before we go too farther down this... Like, yes, saying no to yourself, being disciplined, being disciplined in not only- Discipline
0: is the greatest form of self-love and self-care that you can do, and almost no one does it. It's not going for mani-pedis. It's not buying yourself another Starbucks. It's not getting another piece of cake. It's going to the gym and telling yourself to nut up or shut up so that you can have a life that you actually enjoy instead of suffering through the one that you have. Yeah. Speaking of suffering,
1: Redrick. Redrick does some suffering. So we covered, let's say, before we continue with Redrick's suffering, we covered the ambiguity part and we covered that. And I think I want to go into a little bit deeper into this, but how this alien is, invasion is different from everything else we see in other sci fi. And I only want to grab, put my hook into that a little bit more because I want to talk specifically about the zone and maybe even turn this. A theory on his head a little bit that this is was a picnic, so bear with me so th- this uh, alien invasion is not like what we see in other sci-fi
0: yeah it's very different
1: yeah the aliens seem to be indifferent to what's going on or what they did and so the pillman Valentine Pillman concludes that all these empties and full empties and all the trinkets that we find are no different than be- beer bottles or you know or gasoline. Leaks of our cars if when we go on a picnic as humans, right? What do you, what do you think about that? Is Pilman a uh, is Pilman onto something or is he just? Uh, I th- I again, lang- a the the limit of my language is the limit of
0: my world, right? So these full empties and and empty foals and and gasoline, like they're words to, that you use to describe something. But I I don't I didn't feel like I understood the items they were talking about. I read enough fantasy worlds. To understand, like it doesn't matter if I if I fully grasp the 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 item itself, it's the re, the effects or the attributes or the the powers that you get from the thing that are more like you can call it whatever you want, you know, blue blue buck or new, cattle prod something, whatever.
1: Yeah, right. I think they're meant to be just exactly words that people made up. Like, to describe these objects that cannot be described by human language, right? right. They don't understand There's, what they he's are. He's got
0: the things with the pins that he squeezes and then the black sparks and, like, yeah, I mean, they're they're descriptive enough. But, uh, so, uh, anyway, back to ba- Valentine and his his theory on roadside picnic visitation. I think it's a fun, It, it for lack of words, it, it humanizes these extra, tra- extra planar beings to, like... Look, they have desires. They're going somewhere. They're, uh, you know, taking a roadside picnic on Earth for a little quick minute. They're enjoying themselves and they go, "Well, I'm never coming back, so I'll just leave this stuff here. I don't need to keep it with me. Maybe there are weight parameters that they they can't hold it when they leave because they took a few people to um probe or something. Who knows?
1: Right. Yeah, okay. well, that's fair enough and that and that's good enough for 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 our uh, context here, so then after these aliens leave, they leave behind the the zone. One thing. What were your thoughts we, it, before ahead.
0: you get before you get into that? One thing that I would have liked to have seen is what are the areas that don't have zones like now, right? So 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 there's six zones, and but like it didn't sound as if the whole Earth was covered in zones. It sounded like the area that they were in was covered in zones.
1: Well, no. Their area is one of six that has a zone in it. So the world is covered in zones, and it has six zones. And one of those zones is Harmut, which is this f- fictional, supposedly in Canada, area. Yeah. Okay. So what are your thoughts about the, the zone? Just all the intricacies of it and how the world where where all the zones are like all the effects it has on on the area like the trinkets in the zone the empties the the full empties so this gets
0: into part of
1: my complaint earlier it's a good complaint i don't know how to describe it
0: my my discrepancy i guess about how there's more to this world than we're being given information on like i don't get information on four other zones we get a little bit of information on one of them It's like, oh, hey, our zone's basically empty now, and there's another zone where people are all going and flocking to. Like, that's all I remember being talked about. Of the six zones, we get 1.15 of zone talk. So, okay, interesting. Well, you know, it leaves a lot to be desired, and that's simply because I really appreciate world building. So it's not a bad thing. it's It's a really good problem because people want more. And frankly, if they put out a second book, and I know they've got the uh, the Troika, what is it called? The uh, I think Troika, Tales of the Troika? A
1: couple
0: yeah. Something like that. Were you about to say there's
1: more? Well, there's more
0: books by them, and well, I don't know no, if that's, they all that's, talk, about, yeah, didn't, didn't, uh, talk it, about this. Yeah, they're not part of this world, though, right? They're different books. No. Yeah.
1: No, they're different books.
0: So, I mean, people are hungry for new intellectual properties that cause them- awe and wonder mostly wonder and curiosity actually and because of that when a new series hits well there's an opportunity to expand on it it's why harry potter did so well back in the day because people were like wait what if there was a school for wizards i don't know okay yeah seven books millionaire billionaire millionaire billionaire uh billionaire so like people want New intellectual properties, new worlds where it causes them different ideas of wonder and awe and curiosity. And, like, they have an opportunity here. I don't think they're tapping into it. Now, granted, I don't think it'd be as as large as Harry Potter or anything like that. But the fact remains that authors should continue to put out content that their audience is interested in. So there's a reader that I want us to get to, or uh, an author... Named Will White. He's got a series called Cradle. He's ten books deep. Sorry, eleven books deep, ten books deep, ten books deep. Mm. Eleven. I think it's eleven. And he said, Yeah, I think after book twelve I'm gonna call it. And it's like, no, you're no, no. Like people love your world. It's progression fantasy. They're each book, the characters level up, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, and like find new ways to, and it's like a mixture between fantasy and sci-fi. It's very fun. Your audience is interested in this. So like go back to the beginning of the timeline okay so that you know say this is the end of the arc go back to the beginning of the timeline and then start talking about the world through some other characters eyes that we've met make it a backstory there's a character named zeal who has this backstory of like being an apprentice to the Beastmaster so-and-so person and like we don't know anything about the Beastmaster. we don't know a whole lot about zeal except for like the effects of what he's dealing with today and he's a broken character for a variety of reasons and we're like well we get a little bit of a verbal backstory, but what was his build up before that? Tell us a Kfoth type story where we see him rise to power, and then we also the end of the book is when all of his his stuff breaks that we heard about in in the current series. If you have an intellectual property as an author, and you have an audience, it's like, man, I really was, I really wish there was more of this book. And maybe I'm alone here. Maybe people thought, oh, it's interesting. Okay, they they move on. Then maybe I'm the only person who really enjoys world building. I don't think that's true. I think that many people, I think the video game industry, the industry of video games uh, would attest differently because people took to The Witcher. No one's ever read The Friggin' Witcher. Like, it's in Russian, You in your Russian literatures. And then people started reading it because there was a, a video game made on it because they saw a New World and they go, Oh, wow, that's interesting.
1: I'd like to know more about that. And then Netflix picked it up and so on and so forth. Well, you know, interesting thing, Metro 2033 and the and S.T.A.L.K.E.R. for PlayStation or maybe computer, whatever. Metro 2033 and the video game S.T.A.L.K.E.R. got their inspiration from this book.
0: Right. So there's clearly and 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 for those who don't know, you can't just use someone else's story or world without paying them money, to put it very simply. Like there are royalties and this is one of the ways that you can generate wealth is create something that builds an audience and then you sell the royalties. You sell the royalties to, to, to one company to make the action figures. You sell the royalties to another person to make the video game. You sell the royalties to another person to make the movie. So like royalties is one way to, to generate wealth. But you have to be creative enough to to build a world that people are interested in. But yeah, there's a, yeah. there's an audience here. I've gone off the rails here. I went on a side quest. No, and, no, it's
1: okay. So, no, uh, that's fine. It's like your thoughts in the zone are your thoughts, and they're completely valid because we're discussing a piece of art. So it works. But based on that, or based on that, dovetailing that, I should say, there is academic paper on JSTOR.org, J-S-T-O-R.org. I mentioned in the previous episode. It is by Stanislaw Lem and Elsa Schreider. It's from Science Fiction Studies, Volume 10, 1983. And uh, it's just called "About the Strugatsky's Roadside Picnic. Anyway, that's if you want to go in, on your own little side quest and read it. You can get a free account and you can read it online. But they, they posit five possible interpretations for the zone. Or five... No, not five possible interpretations. A different interpretation. And they posit five arguments. So they say maybe... Maybe not everything in the zone is rubbish, right? Okay. So maybe it's not refuse from a picnic. Maybe the maybe this is just alien artifacts, but it's not from a picnic. And not everything is passive. So some of these objects are not just, you know, a beer bottle or the equivalent of a beer bottle. So what do you think about that? We'll just take one at a time and spend like 45 seconds on each. Uh, what do you, what do you think about that? I Think it's plausible? I don't think we have enough information to to
0: validate it. I also don't think we have enough information from the scientists who are buying or using the materials after they're brought back by the stalkers. So, sure, yeah, maybe.
1: So they're also, you know, what they say is there's sharp boundaries in the zone. That's one of their uh, arguments. Is like it seems that some parts of the zone is very active. Death trap. Yeah. Death trap, and other things are not so much the the chaotic scattering of the objects that's one of thing then the booby traps that you mentioned so we're not gonna spend 45 minutes on each because they've flown into each, 45 seconds on each they Sure, into each yeah other, it'll be it's like Indiana be Jones with sci-fi version yeah
0: and the temple of so there's
1: zones right so booby traps are these really just alien things that are so advanced that humans are killed by them because of how imperceptible these objects are because then the question is is a beer bottle that crushes an ant farm and ant hill on a picnic equivalent to what these things are or maybe they're just damaged alien objects because no matter how advanced the society is what society's beer bottle or mayonnaise jar cap can resurrect people from the dead right yeah that's what Yeah, Lem and Scheider posit. And they say that it could be positive or it could be undirected. So it could be these items actually do reanimate objects because the society is so advanced or this is an undirected consequence because of whatever happened. And whatever happened is, is this really a picnic or was this a crash? Did, did, alien, did, uh, did the aliens really crash on our planet? The crash seems more viable. Yeah, they didn't want to picnic, and they didn't want to take over. They were just going on their merry way to Alpha Centauri to, you know, do I don't know, take pictures of it, and they crash into the planet. These objects did have positive uh, attributes to them, that they, they were meant for something, like res- you know, reanimating matter or some sort of gravity machines, right? But because of the crash and because they're from a different side of the universe, they're now, in, they're now crashed and damaged, and they're on the planet Earth with its specific physical properties, with its laws of physics and gravity and thermodynamics and all the other stuff. So these two worlds collide, and now you have a zone, and you have Pillman, who is technically right, because, yeah, from his vantage point, it may be just a picnic, but he's technically right. These things, we know nothing about them. We think they're going to advance us technologically, right? We think this is going to do good things, but is it advancing anything? With all the government, con- you know, involvement and scientific involvement in the zones, has the human race what it's been like six years? I think ten years since the crash, about six to ten years, if I remember correctly. Yeah, that sounds since about right. Since the crash, and all we have, and all we have is monkey children deformed sperm of the stalkers that create monkey children. And we have Burbridge with rubber legs. And we have Four Eyes and the other gu- and the, whatever the other nickname is for the stalkers. They're all scattered dead bodies. We have Arthur who gets eaten by a meat grinder. We have the cops who are chasing the stalkers. We have the stalkers who are evading the cops. We have this government entity that Noonan is part of. They're trying to catch all the stalkers. Uh, but you, you kind of get the idea that they're not really... Um, they're not, like, good cops trying to stop bad people, even though they're trying to stop the stalkers. It seems like they have nefarious plans, too. Yeah, it's mercenary you have this other entity. Right. They have, you have this entity who tries to get the hell slime. From, that's from last episode where, um, even though Redrick helps them, he turns himself in. So you, have, you just have a, a lot going on. And I think I kind of said more than I wanted to, and there was a question somewhere there. So, what are your thoughts on on that theory that it's a plane crash, or did you switch? Yeah, that it's a that it's a crash. Yeah,
0: I think that that seems like more a more viable possibility, but I think that the proposition from the characters in the world that this is a roadside picnic is a fun, mundane way to look at things because Carl Jung and Viktor Frankl both posit that humans need to define suffering if they want to survive. Man, I'm super over- oversimplifying that. But we often will take the things that occur and find meaning. We have to give meaning to them. And a roadside picnic is just as viable as a crash. I think they're both fun. I think they're both interesting. I think the crash seems more viable than the picnic, though.
1: Right. And what I what I find interesting about these kind of discussions and papers that are written like by Lem and Schreiter is there's three things going on I think and I might be oversimplifying it there's the author's intent which some of it is available to us some of it is not right there is what is the fallout of that I'm going to put in a separate category but the fallout of the author's intent so if an author writes a book to convey a message and uses a story like this to convey a message there's something that happens in the story that's kind of underneath the meta narrative a guy named Red who we don't get his backstory, but I'm sure in the author's mind he had some sort of backstory to give him the characteristics that he has and explain away the actions that he's taking, right? So that that part is, you know, the what you just said. How do these people in this world, how do these characters explain away the suffering or the problems that the zones have brought to them? And then there's us who can pick apart and theorize, well, maybe it's not a picnic. It's very plausible and valid for Vladimir or Valentin P- Pillman to say it's a picnic because it's the Pillman in his world from his limited vantage point trying to understand the zone. But for us, it's easy to philo- philosophize and theorize, and that's the fun part where like, yeah. hey, dude. That's why we like these maybe worlds. Maybe it's not a picnic. Exactly. Maybe it's not a picnic. Maybe, literally, a drunk alien on his way to Alpha Centauri You know, miscalculated by a couple of thousand uh, miles and crashed a craft with matter reanimators and gravitational machines that his society uses for whatever mundane uses that they do. And in our world, it upends six zones, literally, on the planet and causes monkey children and reanimated fathers to, you know, grunt and make noises on the couch. So, or the armchair, wherever.
0: So there are questions that I'm thinking about that you haven't posed that I think it'd be fun to discuss. Well, first Let's off, um, we we covered this. I covered the synopsis earlier. So there's two questions that I think are fun to discuss. The first question I don't want to dive too much de- too too deeply in because I think the question, the second question will be more interesting and take longer. The first question is in stories with well-described worlds there are rules of the game that exist that you can understand based on the effects they have on the characters so okay when they go in the zone it affects their physiological bodies and it affects their reproductive possibilities so there's some sort of radiation that takes place like okay that's a rule in the world we see that example through rhetoric we see that example spoken about in the in the community. Okay, so that's a thing. Another rule in the world is there are items that are in the zone. Forget aliens for a second. There are items in the zone that have powers. Okay, great. There's an item in the zone that grants wishes. And this is going to get into the second question. But I think it would be interesting to try to nail down like, okay, well, what are the rules of the game? What are the rules of this world in particular based on the slice of time that we have? And... Because there's a lot of exposition you can pull from that, and even more so than sometimes the authors give credit for or, or think through. Because as an author, you can only think through so much, because you're going to miss stuff. You're going you you have your own blind spots. But what what are some of the key rules that stood out to you in this world? And then I want to get into the question, the second question about the Golden Orb and wishes.
1: All right, the ones that really stood out to me would be the booby traps where you know red is throwing the the bolts that was very cool i Um, liked that yeah and because that affects the the time where you lose time in the zone uh which probably is not literally you lose time like you're in a different dimension it's probably it affects your mind your body and your mind where you lose the sense of time and those little uh the booby traps and the meat grinder and all that stuff and the old golden orb will get to it like you said those things stood out to me because the zone where it affects your organs or the slime that that like melts your legs, okay, I get it because this is alien stuff from a different planet. it's radioactive it's already established that these zones are you know full of dangerous items. so though that's kind of par for the course, if you will, for this dangerous zone because if take that awful event in um, in Ohio just a little bit ago. Where there was the der- derailment, the people were affected, environment was affected, animals died. That's just what happens. But there was no adverse effects to the laws of physics. Like people didn't like walk by the derailment and spontaneously combust or get wrung out like a dish rag, right? Yep. So those little things really stood out to me, and how dangerous the life of a stalker really is, because to survive as long as red has he has to have seen people die he has to have had a few close calls to know to use the bolts to throw on particular places and to know well if the bolt moves at this speed or the bolt is untouched unharmed then okay we go 40 degrees to the left and go really slow all that kind of stuff that was really fascinating to me those are the places in the zones and the rules set up by the author that stood out above everything else
0: okay well uh, there, to, to to go a little bit deeper into that there's also the implication of like how do you gather that information without losing people and then also having people survive and come back so there's just like the understanding yeah. of the world I think is very fascinating so that I
1: well you you do it by having a couple of authors. Like the stalkers are yeah. very, very callous in some sense, where or pragmatic, if you want to use a better word, they're very pragmatic. in the in what they do, you know, and in the responses, this, this is the life of a stalker. You go get the the trinkets because they pay a lot of money, and the risk is worth the reward. Mm-hmm. And how do you find out? How do you find out the risk? Will you go in and uh, figure it out? And if a couple of you die, well you know fecal matter passes as they say that's that's just no uh, you say that you say that other people say a different phrase i think mine's funnier no like i in my previous episode i said you had a copacravis grin when you told me a character was pregnant when she clearly was not in the book we were covering yeah yeah but that that, that's to me sorry like let's i I like your question i want to go deeper in it so that's what stood out to me and you do have to sacrifice humans to find out. Like that's, You don't have to go into it going, all right, we're going to take Arthur and put him, put him through the meat grinder. But let's say four stalkers go into the zone. They understand that one of them might die. One of them might have rubber legs. One of them might come back and make a monkey child.
0: Yeah, which is why Redrick is always so high tension. His neuro- His so. neuroticism's is super high. And his, his frustration too. So yeah. All right. So that was the first question. And then I want to end with this question because I think it'll take a while. What would be a good wish to ask from the golden orb? And I, and I realize that there's like a madness that comes with it because we saw that with Redrick and Arthur and, and what they were shouting about. But there's a group of people who have been toying with this ethical question of how do you word wishes and they're dungeons and dragons players so there's a spell in dungeons and dragons that is called wish and it has no limitations it has suggested limitations but because dungeons and dragons is a is a game that you can use and it's basically i describe dungeons and dragons as an improv game with your friends where you sometimes roll dice it's a storytelling game hey i want to go to the local pub and i want to fight the first guy that i see Okay, cool. Roll for initiative. Great. The word wish or the spell wish is a, is a ninth level conjuration spell. It's instantaneous, and the only classes that can use it are sorcerers and wizards. Wish is the mightiest spell a mortal creature can cast. By simply speaking aloud, you can alter the very foundations of reality in accord with your desires. It has a list of stuff that it describes of like the basic uses of the spell, but most people don't use it for that. So most people do this. You might be able to achieve something beyond the scope of the examples, state your wish to your dungeon master as precisely as possible, and your dungeon master has a great latitude in ruling what occurs in such an instance, the greater the wish, the greater the likelihood that something goes wrong. This wish simply might fail, the effect you desire might have partly achieved or you might suffer some unforeseen consequence as a result of how you worded the wish. For example, wishing that a villain were dead might propel you forward in time to a period when that villain is no longer alive, effectively removing you from the game. Similarly, wishing for a legendary magic item or artifact might instantaneously transport you to the presence of the current item's location. Like, I want a level 27 axe, and it's like, cool, well that's in a dungeon with a dragon and now he's going to eat you and you're dead. And it's like, so carefully worded wishes and there's actually to to extend onto this and I hope you're thinking about like how you would word your wish which wasn't exactly the question that I asked but like I want to know how you would word your wish when using this there's an author named Andrew Rowe and I would like to get to reading some of his stuff at some point but he's working on a story for a character in the world that we have minor play with that we meet a couple times and also they're alluded to a variety of times from one of the other main characters that you talk to and he's got a book that he's writing right now called Carefully Worded Wishes because anyone who Mm. plays Dungeons & Dragons uh, for any amount of time understands like, oh, a wish spell is really powerful and then your dungeon master who curates the foundations of the fabric of the world that you're living in determines the outcome of your wish which is why you need Carefully Worded Wishes. All that information that seems non-sequitur to say just wishing for happiness for everyone is not a good wish first off secondly you need to be philosophical in your language choice and and we won't even get into the fact that you know maybe the language that you use like english french russian whatever isn't descriptive enough for the power source that is granting said wishes to give you as accurately as you want maybe they function on on a different language structure like these extra planner beings and so you're using a bastardized language to describe something which leaves the fabric of existence more longevity to go oh yeah and it fulfills the request in a more oblong chaotic way as opposed to like oh well i wanted a blue dog and it's like well you You got a blue dog but it's a it's like a dolphin we call that a blue dog it's like well that's not what i wanted but you only get one wish so how do you carefully word your wishes in a way that you get exactly what you've wanted that's a very very good very interesting question and that's why we're going to end on it because it's going to take a while to discuss but not too long just long enough
1: so that's going to be a bit of a mental exercise and strength because everything i read and the studies I did in preparation for for this uh, for this episode and the last episode too, they don't even delve into that po- that uh, that that world that that discussion. That yeah, it wasn't the it.
0: point of the story. It just happens to be there.
1: Wasn't the point of the story? I still want to talk about. It. I'm just you know buying some time here um, as <laughs> I think about it. So you wish to buy more so time? I wish to buy more time. That's your wish. So Lem and Strider. That when they're describing the golden sphere, they're talking about it almost as it's, uh, like a black fairy tale. That's that's the word they used. It is something that is in the zone, but it could be, it could be a fairy tale. It could be just the ramblings of men who entered the zone. And the meat grinder is the orb, but at the same time, you do you do have what. I would call facts in in, in this uh, in this tale because Red knows he has to sacrifice a human to the grinder in order to talk to the orb. So there's that element of it, and he does sacrifice uh, Arthur to the grinder, and then R- Redrick in turn can reach the golden ball. At that point, the authors break off the tail and subscribe the word finis, right? So th- And that ends there. That's the ambiguity. So I read that, and I didn't even think about What I would wish for Until now Which is fine I wouldn't wish for happiness for everybody Because I don't care I would wish for something selfish Like I wouldn't be like I want a billion dollars And something, something But I would wish for Something very close to that I would wish for a comfortable life But see, that your your question That's where the, the interesting aspects Of your question comes out, right? That, that's why your question is good Let's put it this way because yeah, Slava wishes for a comfortable life, and then twenty minutes later
0: he gets hit by a car. And when he's in the hospital, they make him really comfortable.
1: Exactly, that'd be my freaking luck too, right? Uh, he's <laughs> Sorry, very Jen. comfortable because he's paralyzed. <laughs> he's paralyzed. He has a billion dollars in seven seven different accounts, so that's seven billion dollars. And he's very comfortable when the nurses clean his uh, bedpan. That's not comfortable, and I know that's an extreme example, but that's like how. That's how these conversations go. You ca- almost have to use hyperbole and push the antithesis. You push. It's how you boil down your your wish. Right. I want to change. I want to change my wish. I'm gonna I'm gonna be m- more honest with what I said because it's it's I am honest when I say I would wish for a comfortable life, and the details of that comfortable life would be the ability to do the things that I enjoy without having the nine to five grind. But the the question, the, the, that wish, there's something behind it. There's something behind it. And I had this conversation with my wife just a couple of days ago, and here's the real answer. Over two bottles I would of... Wish of uh, never mind. Over three bottles of <laughs> It was a Tuesday. Whiskey. It was a Tuesday, so we're allowed four, four bottles of 16-bottle no, 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 no. barrel... You get it all wrong. Okay. You got it all wrong. Three-bottle Tuesdays. Get it right. Uh,
0: four, four Loco Tuesdays, where we drink four bottles of Four yeah. Loco. Yeah. Woof.
1: So... I would wish for the talent to sing and to read notes well, musical notes. Okay. Obviously. I
0: think that that's the type of wish, that's what I would wish for. that would be granted with no sort of kickback, right? So the more grandiose right. the wish, the more you know opportunity that the fabric of reality is unable to restrain itself in discipline to, to grant – at the level of nuance that your soul is asking for right yeah the ability to sing and read notes yeah Yeah, i think
1: that you could probably get away with that one and that i think that would give me the chance to because of the original the original wish and i wasn't lying when i said it or making a you know making a cop out to have a comfortable life for me meant to do things that i always wanted to do without the nine to five you know uh, uh, bullcrap so i've always wanted to sing I, i like music just like I like movie the- theory and literature theory and all the stuff that we're doing in this podcast, I like listening to the behind-the-scenes of bands and they describe how a song was written, what was going on, and I really do like a range of music, all the way from... Mongolian Revolve throat to singing? Three- I'll-, I'll listen to some. Uh, Have you ever though? But all the way from I'm interrupting you. Yes, uh, it's good. It's I listened you to some are, last night. It's annoying.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's it's I'm not doing it justice, but
1: it's I do was listening to some last night. Anyway, keep going. Yeah. So anywhere from Vivaldi's Four Seasons to mm. Three Six Mafia, <laughs> like ni- nice everything. Hey, it is what it is. No, like, no, if you it's look good. At my it's playlist, good. Yeah. An Apple, my Apple Apple Music playlist. You will, you will hear Vivaldi, you will hear Russian Pop, you will hear Bonnie Tyler, Tupac, and then you also might hear some Neil Diamond in one playlist. So, yeah, so I wasn't lying about the comfortable part, but I think for me what's comfortable, and I know I've said this already, but whatever, it's our podcast, is to be able to do the, those little things that prohibit you in a world where, like me specifically, I'm forced to do a lot of other things to be able to allow myself to even do this podcast but if I could sing and sing well and sing professionally I could be in media and entertainment and have this podcast and I know I still have to work it's not like I I sing a song I get 30 billion dollars and then I f off for the rest of my life you still have to work at it but at least I'd be doing something that is more fulfilling than what I'm doing now and i'm good at what i do so, and i enjoy what i do but it's not fulfilling it doesn't give me like pleasure to create comps plans i can make one up for you in an hour and it might it will 95% chance that it will do well because i'm a professional and i've done it for 12 years but it doesn't like give me any sort of fulfillment
0: so would a better wish be to start being paid better than you're being paid now doing something fulfilling and you're allowed to sing Really well,
1: maybe, maybe that, that's getting a little more complex. This uh, you know, going off on your rules for this uh, exercise is that the more complex the wish, the more chances of it going, you know, to hell in the handbasket. How about just the ability to sing exceptionally well, and then I'll, 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 I'll make it and make money. I'll, on I'll it. go on auditions no, and, no, no. and make No, no, and make money from it.
0: I mean, that's a, that's a, that still seems like a reasonable wish because it could be busking or it could be. You know, it could be a lot of things.
1: That's true. I could be a busker. I don't want to be a busker.
0: You don't want to be a bard? <laughs> Going back to D D? So no. carefully worded wishes. I wanna pause for a second and ask the audience. I, I really want you to think about this. How would you word a wish in a way that could not be turned against you? You've heard you've you've heard me describe it. You write your wish down. I wanna I wanna I wanna like deviate from this and then I'll talk about my my wish. So there's a character From a a forum, they're like, my character's a werebear, which is like a werewolf bear. Uh, I I obviously want to keep the conditions of the perks without the drawbacks and losing control of myself every full moon. How would I write a wish for this for the best uh, possible chance of outcome? And then people chime in because this is literally a question that the D&D community has been thinking about for years. Years. Like, this philosophical question has been something that we go back and forth on. And and I I'm not well versed enough to to include myself in the community, but I'm doing it anyway, because I've only been playing since like 2014. But you know, well, how sadistic's your DM is the response because they're happy to let you get away with something for the sake of fun if you don't have to worry too much about it. But if they're going to take that and keep you in line, then you need to be very very specific. Next person goes. You could say something like, "I wish to be cured of lycanthropy," which is like this this um, being a werewolf bear but still retain all of its effects and characteristics besides that which happen as a result of the full moon. And then someone comes and rebuttals that with like, well, there's a lot of room for interpretation here, kind of like we just described, where it's like, what does curative lycanthropy mean for interpretation? And so it's just these quick four comments, uh, like question, response, 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 is what we're dealing with here, where you continue to boil down the linguistics of the actual ask. Of the wish, right? So you you want to think about how you would word. And again, you know, if you want something simple like Slava was moving toward, like I want to be able to sing and read notes well and get paid for it. Like it's not a big ask, you know, and it's something that you could literally train yourself to do over the course of, let's say, two years, right? Like two years part time, you know, you spend two hours a week on it, right? Like and you could become pretty good probably. I, I think that's a fair. That six. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. So carefully worded wishes i want to know i really i really want to know what wishes you you audience members would ask for and it could be fame it could be fortune it could be you know new skills like slava it could it could be comfortable life uh and i want you to type them out in the comments because slava and i will go back through and give you the the response scenarios of okay great you want a comfortable life great and then you know it's it's not a bad life. You know, the, the the response we did here with Slava where, you know, 20 minutes later he gets hit by a car and he's made really comfortable in the hospital. It's like, okay, it wouldn't be that extreme necessarily. You know, maybe you get a, a raise and a promotion and you get to move into a bigger apartment. But uh, every winter it leaks water. Too close to home for me. Anyway, <laughs> Or something like that, where you take the wish, you grant part of it, and then something you know positive and negative come with it. So yeah, I, I want to know i'm I'm really curious on what uh, you people would wish for. so for me, the f- when I first think about this question and, and I'm also on the fly here because although it's been a question philosophically written about in the D and d community for a long time, it's not there's no real easy answer because you're dealing with an unknown chaotic entity who is going to be granting said wishes and in this instance we we moved it from an orb to a genie for me my first thought was i want to i wish that i was living with my fullest realized potential now that's a really trapping wish because they could just go well all right you've capped your potential right like you just tone the tone it down and like this is this is this is the top for you and like wow that sucks there's nowhere to go or in the reverse like it's you ever seen monkey's paw or like Red Monkey Spa, we should, we should dive into that at some point. And if it's a short story, and I think it is, maybe we just like do that as a stand in episode next time, because it would go along with this. Maybe they, they, they make me realize my full side potential. And I become like Slava said, you know, a musician who's well-paid and whatever, but I'm absolutely miserable in life, right? Like I get everything that I wanted and now nothing's hard for me. I can pick up any skill in 20 minutes. I can be a nuclear physician, a nuclear physicist in 20 minutes, and I'm I'm the best in the world and it's like okay well now life's easy and boring and like part of what makes life interesting is the struggle and so you have to think about these wishes in a way that you play out the scenario and and frankly there's actually been studies done where people who play Dungeons and Dragons are better at taking risks in their real lives because they practice taking risks regularly when they play their sessions well maybe I'll try this character dies Okay, well, you roll a new character. All right, well, I did this before. I tried to jump over a chasm that was further than I knew I could jump, and I tried to whatever. Okay, well, I know not to do that next time, but that doesn't mean I can't try using this magical item to help get across there. like, okay, you use it, you get across, cool. And then, you know, maybe I'm going to try this other daring feat. But they have better risk mitigation because they they can start to see the problem in front of them from different angles of like, well, I know my abilities... How can I use those abilities? Because I know I'm I I, I better know my limitations to get where I want to go. And and I thought that was interesting because it's it's just role play. It's saying, hey, you know, here's your scenario. And if you're practicing interviews, like I I've never been a great interviewer because I didn't have to do it a ton growing up in my jobs. It was like, oh, you want to be the janitor? Great, you got the job. You know how to clean a toilet? Cool. Boom, you got it. So like when you start to get these higher tier positions like you have to interview for them and they want to know more about you and it's not just like you might be a great fit for the job but if you can't convey that to them in an interview then they're not going to hire you so understanding the ability to convey something and i've lost exactly what i was talking about
1: i mean i'm tracking with you but i i I lost myself got us so far i i
0: (laughs) thanks i the the risk and you can leave this in i i i like had a point about risk mitigation and practice uh practice role playing role playing for interviews like it's the same thing. You can you can you can interview you can practice your interviews with your friends and they can hit you with the hardest questions because then you've prepared for something. It's like lifting weights. Like, oh I know how to do ten reps and then three weeks later like, well now you can do twenty reps because I've practiced. And I can throw a football
1: better because I've practiced and, and use the muscles. So Yeah and and that's why I said when my wish, I wouldn't even ask for money, is give me the talent and I would want to pursue whatever it is I needed to pursue with that talent. You know, whether it's additions, whether, maybe it is busking, whatever. Um, because I think life without struggle is boring. The struggle does propel, you know, you to excel. It's part of part of human existence you can't run away from it yep so you could either use it adapt and learn or or whine about it i suppose
0: i think my wish as i'm thinking a little more about it would be that i wish that i had the capabilities required to always assist the person in front of me to reach their next level of potential
1: to like a wunderkind life coach or well, not what wunderkind because it's a Wonderkid, kid but like a like a uber smart life coach
0: it doesn't necessarily need I don't to mean be smart. like it-, it could be networking it could be a lot of things right so like i i think about the meme i am the captain now <laughs> i'm the genie now right because i'm now able i'm now equipped with whatever is required and it doesn't mean that I get to retain the information. I, I just help the person get to the next level.
1: Or you can ask for unlimited wishes. Nope. And then keep fixing all your every time a thing goes wrong. And just die a haggard, insane. And your final unfulfilled wish fulfilled lunatic. I wish I never wished any of these. Or happiness for everybody and let everybody be free and throw yourself into the meat grinder.
0: <laughs> well, so be it. Anyway, that's the episode, folks. What would you wish for? And how would you write your wish out?
1: Yeah. So the two places right now where you can submit these comments would be Spotify, because you can drop comments on the episode, and Instagram, where there will be and TikTok. a graphic announcing. And TikTok. I just put that uh, But there will thing be a graphic out. announcing. Carefully. There will be a graphic. Worded wishes. You let me finish. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes, and TikTok. There will be a graphic Ooh. on Instagram. <laughs> I <think laughs> hey, Jonathan, I think tell them where we can leave some comments. I think Slava was trying to let you know where you could leave comments.
0: You can leave comments on Spotify, TikTok, and Instagram. There's going to be a graphic of something. I don't know what he's going to put out. It might be a picture of me wishing things.
1: Yeah, there'll be a graphic on Instagram and TikTok. Announcing the drop of this episode. And on Spotify, you can leave comments on each episode. So all those three things. You're listening to this on Spotify or Apple, but the links to IG and TikTok are in the description notes. Tell us what you would wish for. I wish that this episode would end.
0: Moo. Moo. Moo.
1: (laughs) Moo. Moo.